grace of Jesus, let's sing about it. Psalm 1830 reminds us that God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that you're our protector and you're our provider. And Father, I just thank you that we can be together this morning to just worship you and to worship you through your son, Jesus, in whom we have our salvation. Lord, this morning, let us lift up Jesus together and let us have a great time of celebration. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good Good to see everybody today. We're here to lift up the Lord together. Amen. Amen. We're glad you've chosen to do that with us. Make sure you fill out your connection card for us this morning. And if you're online, we encourage you to do the same thing so we can continue to keep in contact with you. At this time, the praise team is going to continue leading us in song together as we continue to lift up Jesus through our our voices.
Today is our last message in our series, uh, the Bible, Prioritizing God's Word in Our Lives. And we've been examining this issue of, of prioritizing God's Word in our lives because I think many times we struggle because we try to do too much on our own. And sometimes we do too much with a lack of knowledge. And sometimes we try to do too much because we don't have that relationship with Jesus that we're really called to have. But with all the discussions that we've had about prioritizing God's Word in our life, what does that look like? How can you tell if that's what you're doing? How can you see it in other people? Is prioritizing God's word in our life simply a matter of just spending time in the word? Or is there something more to it than just spending that time? Most people are, are from, most believers, most Christians are familiar with the metaphor from the Bible about new birth that we find in John chapter three. But birth or belief is just the beginning for the person of God. Eugene Peterson writes this, he says, birth presupposes growth, but growth proceeds from birth. Birth is quick and easy. At least it seems that way to fathers. Mothers have a different slant on it. <laughs> growth is endless and complex. The point is like babies, once we're born into Christ, the implication is that we have to grow. We, we, if you had a baby, a child or an animal, you know, a, a kitten, a dog or whatever, a puppy, 
you expect it to grow. You don't expect it just to stay the same. And so what we have to realize is when we come out of that baptistry, that's when the growth process begins. It doesn't end at that point. The, the Colossians passage that we're going to study this morning is a practical reminder that once we're made new, the old self must be cast aside as we mature because we become more and more in the image of Christ. That growth can only happen, though, as we allow God's word to inform and to transform our lives while we live in a community like, of, like, of like believers. The message this morning is entitled, Putting uh, the Word into Action. However, I really thought about changing it, to, changing it to living according to the cross, because that's what it's really all about. We're called to live according to the cross. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 this morning, and we're going to see how to and what accomplishing that feat looks like. Because it's one thing to talk about, oh, you got to incorporate God's words, you got to prioritize it, but we really need to know what it looks like. So beginning in Colossians 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. <clears throat> Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand, seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not the things of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you too will be revealed in glory with him. So putting God's word into action in one's life, first of all, requires this. It requires redirecting one's focus. See, if we don't do this, we will never get to where we need to be. We will never achieve that, that goal of being Christ-like. Now, verse 1 begins with a conditional statement. It says, if you've been raised with Christ. And, of course, the, 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 the answer is supposed to be saying you have been, but he's using a negative. So he's saying, if you've been raised with Christ, now what does that statement mean? What does it refer to? Well, this statement, honestly, it refers to the point of, of when a person's baptized into Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, uh, Paul tells us this, Having been buried with him, speaking of Jesus, in baptism, you have also been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So what Paul is saying here is he's saying, if you've been raised with Christ, baptized into Christ, this passage is for you. This applies to you because you have experienced the new birth that Jesus talked about in John chapter 3. Being baptized into Christ is not just simply an external act. It is not an outward sign of an inward grace. There's much more to it according to Scripture. Paul says since you've been baptized, your old self is dead. And it's time to move on to conforming to the new life that we have in him. For the immersed believer, this isn't an option. If we're baptized into Christ, we don't have the option of saying, well, I'm not going to grow. Because by definition, by default, we're called to grow because we have this new birth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us that we're a new creation where it says, so then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look. What is new has come. So we have to be able to focus on that. And then Paul goes a little bit deeper in Romans 6, and he, he talks about what exactly happens when we're buried with Christ. He doesn't say it's some symbolic act, and in some ways it is, but it's much deeper than that. Look what he says here in, in chapter, uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. What shall we say then? 
are we to remain in sin so that grace may increase? Absolutely not, and here's why. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that many, as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have become united with him, if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we certainly will be united in the likeness of his resurrection. We know that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So when we are in Christ, we are this new creation. And I think sometimes before we get people in the baptistry, we don't spend enough time explaining this. Because when you become this new creation, everything is new. It requires a new focus. We have to shift from our old ways of thinking. We have to shift from our old actions. We have to shift away from what we used to do to that which is new. But see, if we don't have that focus, we will continue to go back and to go back. I think it's one of the Proverbs. It's kind of a gross proverb, but it says, a dog returns to its own vomit. <laughs> it's true, actually. But that's what we end up doing if we come to Christ, baptize into Christ, and we don't put our focus where it needs to be. We'll just go right back to what we know because, honestly, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? We, we get used to things, and we go right back to them. Our minds should be set on the things of God, according to these passages. Now, this isn't meant to, hyper -spirit, to be hyper-spiritualized so that it makes us out to be a, a bunch of people who are out of touch with reality, but it means that everything that we do we have to view it through the eyes of Christ and his resurrection. Romans 6 says that when we are baptized into Christ, we are buried with him. Now, Jesus died and he rose and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says when you do this, this is what's going to happen with you. We will also be raised in his likeness. Practically speaking, what this is telling us is the life that we're living now should be the same life we're striving, excuse me, it should be the same life that we will live in heaven does that make sense? The same way we would be living in heaven, we practice, if you will, we do it, we're trying to do it now. We're trying to reflect Christ as much as we possibly can. We're trying to make, a, make sure our worldview is his view. We're trying to make sure that when we deal with people, we look at them in a proper light instead of just saying, well, you're the enemy. Too many Christians look at lost people as the enemy. That's the problem because we're not seeing them as Christ sees them. And you know why we don't? Because people hurt our feelings. People do mean stuff to us. People say mean stuff to us. And now what we do is we build a wall. Well, Jesus, on that cross, he didn't build any walls. He said, Father, I know you're going to do this, but forgive them. These guys don't know what they're doing. I would have been saying, flame them. Look what they're doing to me. Most of us probably would, but he didn't. When you're driving, and we'll just say down I-10, if you're on I-10 and you're driving the speed limit of 89 miles an hour, and... What is, I'm sorry, 75, I can't really keep forgetting that. And you're driving, and all you're going to do the whole time is you're going to stare at the ditch. You're going to stare at the ditch on the pa through the passenger side window, and you're driving like this the whole time. Now, some cars will, you know, have lane change, and my wife's car will tell me if we're getting ready to collide with something. Some of your vehicles will stop you. But if you keep looking over that way, what's going to eventually happen? You're going to end up in the ditch. You know Why? Because that's where your focus is. 
you're focusing there. Your eyes are fixated on that ditch. Now, the question is today, what are your eyes and what is your heart fixated on right now? This last week? Somebody's going to answer. What are they fixed on? Because see, what your eyes and heart are fixed on right now, guess what? That's where you will end up. If your focus is on this world, when it's all said and done and it's not on Christ, you will never be what God called you to be. You can, you know, we have to keep our eyes focused on him. Because if we don't, we're not going to be transformed into him. Our focus has to be him. And the way we focus on him is through his word. If your life focuses on this world and it stays on this world, you're just going to stay in this world. You will not end up with God because God calls us to put our focus on him. Some people have the impression that, well, once you're saved, you do whatever you want to do. That is not scriptural. Everything about God's promises, you look at them, I, there probably is one that I'm missing, but his promises are always conditional. And this isn't about earning salvation. This is about saying, you know what, Jesus, I love you so much. Look what you've done for me. I want to live for you. It's like with being married. You shouldn't be doing things to earn stuff from your spouse. You should be doing things for your spouse because you love them, and that motivates you. And that's how our life in Christ should be. So where is Jesus right now? Well, Paul tells us he's seated in heaven at the right hand of God. So if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to be in his image, where should our focus be? The same place his is. And we spend so much time focusing in on this world that we forget what's important. And I know in our country, you know, there's a lot of junk going on politically, and I'm not telling you not to be engaged, but don't get so lost in that stuff that that's all you do because you can't do anything about it. You can pass as many of these videos out as you want. You can do all these things. Nothing wrong with being informed, but our focus needs to be in heaven. But not so much so that we're oblivious to what's around us, but where are we heading? Who's in control? Where's my focus? And we have to continue to think about that. When we set our minds upon him, we do so because we're trying to help him direct our help use we're trying to get him to help us direct our thoughts to him our desires and our affections toward him and toward heaven where he's seated it means that we have a strong drive toward the things of above because we understand that's where jesus is and i would think that every one of us who've been baptized into christ that's we did it because we want to be with him so we have to put our focus there and so therefore our lives are called to be hidden in him when we look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul explains this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live because of faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's what it means to have your life hidden in Christ. Your life is there, but your life looks so much like Jesus that your life isn't what it used to be. You are cru you've been crucified with him, and so you're living for him simply because of what he's done for you and the love he has. So where is your focus? We need to make sure that we redirect it to the things above. That's where ultimately we want to be, who we want to be with, what we want to be like. So maybe we need to replace our, make our focus and say, you know what, I'm going to start trying to live like I'm going to live in heaven. I'm going to start doing it here on earth because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was sinless. 
We're not going to be sinless, but our goal is to be like him. And for that to happen, we have to have a focus. Let's drop down to verses uh, 5 through 9. It says this. So then he continues, he says, So put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. You also lived your lives in this way at one point, when you used to live among them. But now, put off all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with its practices. So putting the word into action in one's life requires this, putting away the old self. (laughs) Since we have died to self, we're a new creation. And so we are called to clean house. We are called to clean out the old closet. We are called to do all these things because new things have come. If we focus on the things from above, one of the things that needs, there are some things that we need to put to death. Some things we need to get rid of, they need to be dead, and they need to be buried. Because these things that he lists here, we're not going to break every one of them down, because you can read it, it's pretty self-explanatory. These are incompatible. These things that he lists are incompatible with the new life we have in Christ. When we have this new life in Christ, these things are incompatible. When these things manifest themselves and people see them, guess what? What do they say? Hypocrite. You don't even believe what you're telling me you believe. Now, there's a difference between somebody who's a hypocrite and somebody who's struggling. For many of us, when these things come out, we're struggling. But we, at some point, we have to understand, I have to get rid of this. I can't just sort of hold on to it. You know, people, uh, I've been around a lot of people who've quit smoking. And at some point, they just have to quit. Because if you try to do a little smoking, you're eventually going to do a lot of smoking. Because it's a habit. People that do it are used to it. My dad's quit for what, 30 years now? And he still tells me, yeah, when I turn 80, I'm going to say, well, he just turned 80. I said, no, you're not. I'll lock his bank account so he can't buy cigarettes. But anyway, the thing is, um, we have to get rid of things. You can't just sort of hold on to anger. You got to let it go. Malice, greed. You can't just have a little bit of this in your life. You've got to let it go. I remember Robin and I used to watch this show, and maybe some of you did, called What Not to Wear. Did any of y'all watch this? Now, I, my wife watched it. She forced me to watch it with her. I, you know, I, but, but in that show, what would happen is people would kind of nominate their friends for a makeover. It wasn't people like you guys that look really nice and everything. I mean, there were some of the tackiest looking people. You know, tackies in the eyes of the beholder. I get that. And most of the chicks that were on there, they thought they rocked those snakeskin pants with the pink boots, you know, and the, and the half a quarter of a shirt they'd wear. But their friends would be looking at them and say, man, I really feel sorry for you. Look at you. They'd nominate them, so they'd come on the show. And what they would do is they would let them wear their sweet-looking snakeskin pants and pink boots and put them in front of a 360-degree mirror. You ever want to be humbled? <laughs> yeah, get in front of one of those bad boys. It hi- you can't hide anything. And so they get the person kind of thinking, man, yeah, this is, maybe this doesn't fit me. You know, it's five sizes too small. You know, I look like a sausage trying to get into it. And... So they decide, okay, we need to do this makeover. Well, the, one of the first things they do is say, okay, bring your closet. Bring the stuff in your closet. And the host of the show would look at that, really? 
seriously? Are you working on the street corner? You know, all kinds of good stuff. And of course, the person will be upset because you're throwing away all their sweet-looking clothes. But the thing is, what would happen is they'd have their makeover, and they, some of them were just amazing. You're like, that's not even the same person. And when they did this makeover, the point was, you can't dress the way you used to dress because you're new. And so they would give them a new wardrobe to go with that. When you're in Christ, you're like that girl in the snake skin that's too small and the pink boots and the quarter of a top that looks really nasty. And you're walking around. Well, you're a new creation in Christ. You've been made over. So you need a new wardrobe. These things that he mentions, those are the snakeskin pants. Those are the pink boots that nobody should wear. Those are the things you shouldn't have on yourself. And you have to get rid of them. These, these folks finally realized that there was a wake-up call. We have to discard the old because it doesn't fit who you are in Christ. It just doesn't fit. You've been made over. We're dead to that old life. We've outgrown those items in our closet. In verse 5, we're told to consider members of our earthly body as dead. And then he tells us, here's some of the things. It's not exhaustive, by the way. But we're literally to put to death those things. And when something is dead, does it respond anymore? No. The only time I won't respond to some fine cake and cookies is when I'm dead. You can put them in front of me, and at that point, I'll lose weight a lot because I won't eat it. But when you're dead, you don't respond. To consider dead means you hold these items in check. You restrain them. They no longer control you. Left unrestrained, these items that Paul lists will ultimately lead you in the wrong direction. And as I said, we're not going to go through all those. You can read them. It's very simple. But we will struggle with these things as long as we're in this world. That is the one thing when we get to heaven, it won't be a struggle anymore. But we'll struggle with them here. In verse 7 tells the readers, he says, that once they live their lives this way, implying that they're no longer to live this way. He says, yeah, you guys, when you lived among them, that's how you live. But now that you are in Christ, you don't do that any longer. And by the way, who's he writing to? Christians. The Christians were struggling with this. We will struggle with this. You don't have to live this way any longer. I don't care if you've been fighting with... Look. I was an angry young man when I was younger for many reasons. I had a lot of anger, a very violent temper, tear stuff up temper, especially if I lost at something. I did not like losing. I don't care if it was a tiddlywinks. I don't care what it was. I'm not a loser. Well, I kind of was. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't like it. And in, a lot of it helped when I started dating my wife because I figured I had to grow up. She was a little bit more mature than me. I tried, tried to get to that point. <laughs> Plus, I didn't want her to see me in my rages. But Christ took that away. I don't have that. I don't have that temper. Every once in a while, things will come up, and I can start to feel it come. Nope. Restrain it. Restrain it. But whatever you're struggling with, at some point, you've got to say, you know what, Christ, Jesus, help me get rid of this. I'm giving this to you. And you deal with it. You know how you can tell if you need to get rid of something? It's real simple. This is why this list, it's there for us. It's not exhaustive. But if you're questioning, do I really need to get rid of, do I need to get rid of this? I think the simple question is ask yourself this. Is this act, is this thought befitting of one who belongs to Jesus? Is this act or is this thought befitting to one who belongs to Jesus? <clears throat> Would Jesus do this 
Would Jesus think this? Would Jesus act this way? The last part of verse 5 tells us that those things, that, that list amounts to idolatry. Because what we do is we put them ahead of God. If I have anger problems, if I have greed problems, if I have all you know, these other problems, I'm putting myself first. You know, the, all the sexual issues they talk about, that's idolatry. Because what you're saying is, I want what I want, no matter what the price. And I'm going to hope I don't get caught. Well, God sees you. When we reject the true God of the Bible, we make ourselves in our own imagination. We make our, our own desires, our own appetites, our own lusts, the God that we serve because they take over. They rule us. Those things become our God. Let's look at verses 10 through 17. <clears throat> and having been clothed the new, with the new man that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it, here there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If someone happens to have a complaint against anyone else, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. And to all these virtues add love, which is the perfect bond. <clears throat> Let the peace of Christ be in control of your heart, for you were in fact called as one body to this peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with the grace in your hearts with all grace in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed do it in the name of Lord, the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him so putting your words putting the word into action in your life also requires you taking something off you got to put something on you got to put on that new self when we're a new creation we have to allow things to be different. It speaks of a renewal of the mind in verse 10. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12. He says, Therefore I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the present world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what the will of God is or what is the will of God? What is good and well-pleasing and perfect? We are to be renewed in the image of God. In our passage, verses 12 through 14, gives a list of virtues that come along with that renewal. These are the things that we focus on. These are the things that we put on. These are the things that we put in that figurative closet that replace the stuff that we talked about earlier. And the thing that ties all these virtues together, without this, none of them really mean much, it's love, because love is the perfect bond. And I contend that you can't have those other issues without love. Those things tie it all together. Jesus consistently speaks of the importance of love. It's all over the New Testament. Love will allow us to bear up one another, with one another. 
It will allow us to forgive one another. It will allow us to be compassionate with one another when, when, when our brother or sister stumbles and falls. Everything that we're called to do is based on love because remember, love is vital. Why? Because who's love? God is. God is love, period. That's what he says. So if we're going to be Christ-like without love, see, this was the problem with the religious leaders, not all of them, but a lot of them, is they did all the things but they didn't have any love. It turned into what was, should have been, I'm doing these things because I love God, and it turned into, I'm doing these things, look at me. And that's what we want to avoid as Christians. We don't want to do those things in this and say, look at me. We want to do what we're called to do because we love God. Now, sometimes you'll get recognized. People will see that. I've had that happen with me at times. But that's not what you're seeking. You're not seeking the applause of people. You're seeking the applause of God. When we place our focus on the things above, we will enjoy some great blessings. Verse 16, really, of all the passages we've looked at in this series, encapsulates what we've been looking at all the time. And look at verse 16 again. Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly, teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, all with grace in your hearts to God. See, if you allow the Word of God to dwell in your heart, you'll never be the same because you will be transformed. How do you think this happens? It only happens when we allow the Word to penetrate our heart. Remember earlier I said, well, what is this thing about prioritizing, prioritizing God's Word? Is it just a, simply a matter of time? Time is a, an element of it. But the other part of that time is how is that time being spent? Am I speed reading through Scripture? which you'll get something out of it. I mean, anytime you're reading Scripture, it's got power to do things. But are you allowing, when you read that Scripture, are you going to and say, God, what are you telling me? God, how does this apply to me? God, how are you speaking to me? Don't worry about your, your spouse or your neighbor, your dog or whatever. Think, God, what are you saying to me? And then be willing to say, you know what, God, I don't like what you're saying to me. I might fight this, but I know I need to do it because I love you. There are things that we do in a relationship that maybe, in a marriage relationship, maybe we don't, aren't thrilling to us, but we do them ultimately because we love our spouse. We love them, and so we'll put up with them. And then after you do it for a while, you know, this is okay. But God, when I'm saying, God, what are you saying to me here? Man, he sold me a lot of things I don't want to hear. Has he done that to you? You know, he's not audibly speaking to me. He's speaking to, to me through the word. Every time I write sermons, too, I'm like, man, really? Do I, have to, I don't want to preach that because that hits too close to home. When we know and understand God's word, it fills our hearts, it shapes our thoughts, it shapes our feelings, and it guides our lives. Do you want to win the battle with temptation? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he use? He didn't use logic. He used, not implying scripture is not logic, but he used scripture. He quoted scripture. So when Satan, and believe me, Jesus was hungry, Jesus was thirsty, Jesus was hurting, Satan was offering him an easy way out of all those things. And that's what temptation is, by the way. It's, it's an easy way out, temporarily. But Jesus used scripture to fight off the devil. And I'm kind of thinking if Jesus did that, so can I. If I'm tempted in, in my life, which I will be, if I'm struggling with the things on the list I shouldn't be wearing, 
the word of Christ dwelling within my heart can help me win those battles. Just as we discussed in in week one, in our time with, excuse me, our time with God in the word should be transformative. So much so that it affects how we live and how we engage this world and how we engage other people. What we hear from scripture should help us to become our new self. We should go into the scriptures saying, I want to be transformed. And we read it that way. We can't just fill ourselves with knowledge, nothing wrong with knowledge, but we've got to take that and it's got to penetrate our heart and it has to change the way I live my life. We gather together to learn God's word. We don't or shouldn't become a clique with just all the right answers. We should be living out those things. We don't strive to be pridefully intellectual about the things that are Bible related, but we instead are seeking to become doers of the word as James talks to us about. We seek to become people who worship God, the God that the Bible points to. We persevere together to become people who hear the word of God and keep it. This morning, our praise team is going to come and lead us in a song of decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you that opportunity during this time. Jesus died on the cross for you, for you, because he loves you. And if you don't understand that love, if you've not feel like you've received that love, today's a great time to begin that process. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, we're going to invite you to come forward this morning during the song of invitation. If you have questions about it, come see me afterward. I'll be glad to talk to you. If you have things you're struggling with and you need prayer, you can come up. I'll be glad to pray with you. One of our elders, Roger Wood. And if you would like to, as an immersed believer, like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning so we could extend the right hand of Christian fellowship to you. So if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward this morning as we stand and sing our song of decision together.
1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ Jesus. Church is a spiritual institution. It's the body of Christ. It's his spiritual kingdom. It is indwelt with his Holy Spirit. Being a spiritual entity... Why then do we place so much emphasis on physical things in our worship? Baptism is a physical act. The money we give in the offering is a spiritual offering. The building in which, or rather a physical offering, the building in which we meet is a physical structure the songs that we sing and the songs that are played are played and sung by physical voices and instruments. The bread and the fruit of the vine are physical elements. And in reality, the one we worship was a physical 
being. However, the physical is only a vehicle for the spiritual. The physical things we use as part of our obedience and worship are in reality reminding us of the spiritual. All of what we see and experience in our physical acts of worship is a means to an end. In baptism, we don't see a person being lowered into the water and rising again. Rather, we see a surrendered life obeying the Lord's command. We don't see the money or check in the offering. Rather, we see a show of faith that God will continue to provide us with what we need. We don't see a beautiful building around us. We see sons and daughters of God meeting in a convenient location to offer themselves in worship. We don't hear beautiful songs being sung and played. We hear praise and adoration being offered to Almighty God. We don't see a piece of unleavened bread and a little cup of grape juice. Rather, we experience the death scene on the Mount of Calvary as the one who took on a physical body to become our Savior is murdered on that blood-stained cross. You see, there is so much more to what we do on Sunday morning than meets the eye. If, and that's the little word with the big meaning, if we truly worship in spirit and truth. Come to the table this morning, this table of remembrance, and experience what is beneath the surface of the physical. Father, we are thankful that there is more than just the physical acts that we do. There is a surrendered life, a life committed to you, a life surrendered to you that we give. As we thus partake of these emblems, may we get below the surface and really and really truly experience worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
on the inside of your bulletin, we have many announcements. For those of you who are on our Art of Marriage team, make sure, remember today we're going to have a lunch after second service. Missions, missions uh, ministry team, we're meeting at four o'clock today for our, our uh, meeting. Uh, we have all of our studies going on on Wednesday. Al's groups meeting Thursday. Narrow Path is Saturday if you'd like to sign up for that. There's a sign-up sheet. I think it's over on that table right now. Uh, make sure that you fill that out. We'll be leaving the church. I think it, we'll be meeting at the church at 8, leaving it at 8.30, and we're going to head to uh, Patagonia, and it'll be a real simple trail this time, so it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, prime time is coming up on March 17th. We're going to be at Native Wings and Grill, so make sure you sign up for that. Also, we have our ministry involved, our ministry team sign-up sheets on the, on the table there. Also, you can do it online. The way we're going to try it this year, because here's what's been happening, and you can talk to Kelly about this too, and Paula, they experienced this. We put the sheets out before, ultimately those ladies were calling everybody that, that didn't sign up, that wanted to keep doing it because they'd been doing it. So if you're already doing something like an usher or a greeter and you want to keep doing it, you don't need to sign up. We're just going to assume you're going to do it. And if you don't want to do it, sign on the sheet and say, hey, I need a, you know, there's a mark on there. You can say, hey, I'm, I need to step out for whatever reason, and you're welcome to do that. But I'm not going to put our admin person through having to make all those calls. Hey, did you forget to sign up? So we're going to, we're going to try it this, that way this year. So if you're doing something already and you want to keep doing it, you don't have to do a thing. If you want to do something different, sign up. And if you're not doing anything now, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> There are sign-ups, there, there's some areas we could definitely use some service, so please make sure you do that. Those sheets will be out through Easter, and then, the, then we'll get them all together, and the new teams will start in May, so make sure you do that. Also, uh, our faith promise, we usually end that in um, at the end of February, but we had one video we wanted to show that we didn't get a chance to, so I want to show a video here in just a second from Adrian and Lula from Southern Mexico Mission. By the way, next year, um, Adrian will be our speaker during Faith Promise, so he's looking forward to that. So right now, I'll show you a clip from them. Brothers and sisters, this is Adrian. And this is Lula. And uh, we are here just outside of the church where we meet here in Texcoco. Um, why don't you come in? We'll, we'll tell you a little bit about what's going on. Uh, in southern Mexico, and we're super excited to share with you guys. And so this is the area where we meet. Um, this is uh, some of our chairs on this end, this the main stage, and some chairs on the other end. And so we're, we're, we're super excited to tell you a little bit about what's going on here. And uh, there's a few things we want to share with you. Number one is we want to say thank you for the uh, support for the uh, audiovisual equipment that we got from you. Here's this is our setup. If Lula would like to show us yes. where um, we how, I stand. how she stands when we start our online service is she's over there behind the scenes. Of course, you don't see none of these cables and all this different stuff. So here's the camera that we use to share our transmission. Here's the computer where everything else happens. And um, here's the, this area where our, our, um, our worship band leads, in, leads us in songs. And so what we do, we've been doing here lately is we've started our service, physical service at 10. And because of um, Facebook turning down certain um, songs and then they mute your whole service, we decided not to show our, our song service or our worship service. Um, but thank you so much for, for supporting this ministry through that special offering where we were able to buy 
our mic, our lights. Lula, oh no, we don't have the lights on right now. There's no electricity in the building. We shut down the electricity for when we're not using it. But uh, And so this is this uh, creates an opportunity for us to share uh, with other people. We, we've been able to continue to grow our uh, our ministry throughout this this uh, online services and, and doing it in a more professional way. I don't know, Lula, if you want to share something about it. Yeah, it's been very exciting because uh, we've been able to reach a lot of friends, uh, neighbors, and people that we know that they have never gone to church. And it's very excited to hear when we are talking to people in the community that they're like, oh, yeah, is that what you said in the service? So we just look at them like, oh, they look at the service. And it's very exciting to hear that uh, people that they have never had the chance or will make an effort to come to church, uh, they are listening to the church, uh, to the service through uh, the internet. So we're pretty excited about that, uh, to hear that even like family members that are not Christian, uh, sometimes they have a, a, an idea that is, well, it's a different thing. I'm not interested in that. I think I know God, but whenever they get closer, it's been a great opportunity for us to pray for our community, not only for the church members when they, whenever they get sick, they, they don't lose the contact with us. Uh, like we just had this couple that they, they were gone for almost two years since COVID. Uh, they, they were on their home and they're, they were an elderly couple, but they started coming this Sunday and they're like, hey, hey, they start telling to everybody in the church, like, hey, we didn't lose contact with you guys. We follow you every Sunday, and we see the church service, and we know what's going on. So we're pretty excited about this, too. And very, very thankful that you guys were part Adrian sent me 15 minutes worth, so I had to... <laughs> I thought I spoke a while. But anyway, uh, Southern Mexico, all that equipment, it's really helped impact their ministry in a positive way. And our church actually sent a special offering to them so that they could do that. And we've done a few other things for them. So thank you. And just as you know, as of last Sunday, we had 36 pledges for almost, almost $35,000 worth of donation uh, pledges for Faith Promise. So we're very thankful for that. Um, Our last announcement, Operation Christmas Child is still accepting some items, so make sure you take note of that in your bulletin. In the back of your, bull in the back of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns and prayers of celebration. We ask that you take note of those, and uh, it's good to see uh, some of our folks back who haven't been feeling well. Glad to have them back with us, and uh, we want to continue to be in prayer for Operation Christmas Child through this month, and we're focusing on TCMI, so keep them in your prayers. Please be in prayer for Joe Kaiser. She just lost her sister. And so she's lost a brother, her brother and her sister in the last, gosh, what, two or three months? It's not been very long. And I talked to her a little bit the other day, and, and she seems kind of down. So keep Joe in your prayers. All right, at this time, let's stand together. And we'll have a moment where you can lift your hearts to the Lord, and then we'll have our closing prayer, and our praise team will lead us out with a song this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be together today, and it's a joy. Father, we have so many people and so many things that we've been lifting up in prayer through our bulletin, and I pray, Lord, that we know that you hear those prayers and help us to do what we can to be a blessing in each situation that we can be. 
Lord, as we depart from this place today, I pray that we're motivated and that we're challenged and that we just show the love of Jesus to everybody who's around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for church this morning. Have a great week in the Lord, everybody.